Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast, where we promote, educate, inspire, and entertain creators of all things related to fantasy and science fiction. Hi, uh, this is Carson with Troy, and I am with J.C. Kong. J.C. is a fantasy author, and I would like him to introduce himself and talk a little bit more about his books. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, J.C. is, I go by J.C., name is John. And I started writing in 2010. It basically started off as me going through some old stuff at my mom's house and came across my Dungeons and Dragons campaign that I, I used to run. And, you know, I created it when I was 14 years old. So, you know, 14 year old boys. And anyway, I had a total, total embarrassing, you know, it was totally embarrassing looking at this thing. But I was like, you know what, there's some pretty good ideas in here. So I recreated the world, and then by the time I was done, I was like, you know what? I don't really have time to play Dungeons and Dragons, and I don't think Dungeons and Dragons, you know, Critical Role, I don't think had gotten its big, big, uh, um, you know, well, it wasn't very popular at the time. So I was like, well, I, I won't have time to ever play Dungeons and Dragons. So why don't I write a story in this world? Because that's kind of what I wanted to do when I was 14 or 15 years old. I had just read like the Dragonlance Chronicles, and I was like, oh, I want to write because Trace Higbin, Margaret Weiss, they just their their book just really took me to a whole another place so i decided i was going to write in this world okay and so yep pumped out a book in um three weeks it wasn't a very good book but i thought it was uh-huh. and yeah so how many times did you have to edit that before you felt confident to release it many 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 times um you know i had worked as a technical writer for a while and i was you know i was pretty good doing like um speech writing and stuff like that and so i thought you know I knew how to write, but the thing is that writing fiction is a whole different beast. And so there were things, for example, I was using some conventions that Tolkien used because that's what I read a lot of when I was younger. And there's just things that don't quite mesh really well with modern day readers, like trying to describe a tree over a page, probably you'll lose interest. So there are a lot of things I had to change. Um, I had to learn a lot about craft. And so when I first submitted this to a critique, a critique website, it just got panned and I was just like, Oh my God, I didn't realize how little I knew. Um, so it really forced me to go and, and learn how to, how, you know, the craft of it all. So did you take classes or did you just practice or how did you learn the craft? Well, I joined this website called critiquecircle.com and I found three great critique partners. I considered, I consider them to be mentors. Um, two of them are traditionally published. Um, one is J.C. Nelson, coincidentally the same J.C., but different different names. But he's a he's an urban fantasy author, and just he had just great voice. Um, there's also uh, Anna Johns, whose book Woman in the White Kimono is is historical fiction, but and she was also a rom com author. And so, learning a lot of different approaches to writing, um, and also just the craft of it all, just through critiques. Another one was Kelly Walker, who really helped me with connecting to a character's emotions. And then there was another one, Ernie Lawrence, who was a fantasy author who really helped me with the the nitty gritties of craft. So you said you wrote this in 2010. Uh, When did the first book get released? So this was actually, this ended up being book three of a series. Okay. And so when I first recreated this world, I envisioned three books total and following different sets of characters. And so I wrote the one that was sort of centered around Asia because I had just moved back from from uh, Taiwan and Japan. Well, not just, but I had been living in Taiwan, Japan, and then San Francisco. And so um, I was highly influenced by Asian dramas. And I was like, you know what? I want to do the first story set with the, with the Asian characters in a semi-Asian setting. And so 
that was the book three, was, was now book three. Um, but then my critique partners were saying, well, we don't understand the main character well enough. Like they like the secondary characters, but not the main character. So I went back and wrote a prequel to it, which is now the book two. And then went back and wrote the final book, which is now the book four. And then I actually wrote book one last. Oh, really? So when you asked when it came out, it came out a little later. I think it was 2016 that I, that I released that book. And this was after going through, like I, I'd gone through the you know, querying with, with agents and stuff. And I'd gotten a, a, you know, revise and resubmit. And at the time I was going through some, like some, you know, personal crises. And I was like, you know what, I could die tomorrow. I mean, I didn't, wasn't literally going to die tomorrow, but you know, you think, you, you think, okay, you're not going to live forever. And I was thinking, okay, I have four books that are more or less done. I just need them edited and stuff. So I decided to go ahead and self-publish it instead of resubmitting. I actually took her advice with the revisions. <laughs> nice. Well, I think this is important for people who want to be authors and want to be writers. Um, stick with your first book. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be your first book. Like um, other authors I know that have written five, six, seven, twelve 12 books before one is picked up and then they go back and rework uh, first books, you know? Well, I really, the interesting thing about it is I think when, like most readers, they love that book three, the first one I ever wrote, that's the one that they love the most. And I still come back to that and like, wow, I think, you know, I was, I felt really passionate about that one versus I think by the time I started writing the other ones, I was thinking things more from a technical point of view. Um, and I still think I got some good things in there, but I think the third one, they still the one that I really had a lot of passion. In. So. Are you able to play Dungeons and Dragons now? Uh, you know, you know how I was saying that I didn't have the time to play Dungeons and Dragons. Well, I've spent far more time writing and editing. <laughs> <in marketing. laughs> so. How do you, you know, being a self-published author, you're in control of everything. So you join this critique circle. Is that who you kind of bounce off your ideas or do you, do you submit your books? Are they kind of your beta readers? So that was the first four books and I had established a core group of critique partners. Um, but then nowadays it's more going through beta readers. It's a little more like the problem with critique circle is it's slow. Um, you know, basically it's and critique circle is a website. Um, yeah. Critiquecircle.com. And it's like one chapter per week, but once you have kind of a following, they kind of want more. So your you, you know, critique circle can't keep up with that. And so I'm more or less uh, relying on beta readers at this point. And then hiring an editor, how did you go about doing that? So there's obviously the first level of editing, you know, you get feedback from, from beta readers. My main thing is that I tend to over explain things or sometimes either things I assume that someone should know and the feedback I'm usually getting, I usually ask, where are you lost and where are you bored? Um, and from there, whatever feedback I get, I try to integrate that to, to fix that. And so that's sort of like on the story level, but then there's actually, of course, the proofreading and the line editing. And sometimes I have hired a developmental editor. Uh -huh. I've used Chile, who is um, someone I met on Twitter and she's based in the Philippines. And there's another one, Dustin Porta, who I've used for another book. And so these were for book ones that I felt like, you know, I, did, I definitely wanted professional eyes on them. But then afterwards, I usually go through um, another editor, uh, Vagabond, Word Vagabond. Actually, I think it's called The Quick Fox now. But Word Vagabond is my uh, my first proofreader. And lately, I've been using Sarah Chorn of Bookworm Blues for my final proofread. Because what I found is that even after someone, after someone proofreads it, there's still going to be mistakes in it. So, Right. And I think... I think for new writers, new authors, 
this is the stuff that they don't think about. You know, they think, you know, I want to give it to my mom or my grandma and chill at it. But it is important to get professional eyes on it to correct any mistakes and find those places where, you know, don't you don't understand and you don't or, or you're bored, you know, you're not entertained. So utter irony is that my mother is, was, she was actually, well, okay. So her sister, my aunt is a professional proofreader for big five. Oh, really? <laughs> and <laughs> I don't, I've never used them. Oh, my mother, funny. I was like, I don't think I want my mother reading my books. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, for me, my grandma was an English teacher. So that's, I mean, she proofread for her job so I could give it to her, but like still like I'm, I'm with you. I'd rather get somebody who knows the business a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I noticed on your website that you have, you said you have five points of entry in your, in your series, in your different series, but then you have your preferred way to write, uh, to read the books. Yeah. So when I was crafting, what I was, when I was saying, when I, when I created the world, I saw, I envisioned it as being three different stories, um, a book one, a book two, and a book three, each one being a different story, but each of those stories became entire series and each of those can be an entry point into the world. And then in addition to that, I wrote a prequel series and a prequel uh, little short story as well. This is the hardback of of Dragon Song Saga, which is my best selling series. It's sold about 70,000 copies. Wow. Not this book, but the entire, the series. entire series. And so this is probably one of the best entry points. Um, I, I do say I probably made some mistakes, and this is once again the last of the four books I wrote in the series, even though it's book one. And I think I approached it with the level of hubris, where I was thinking, "Well, I understand how to craft and everything like that. I'm going to write a story that appeals to everyone. I'm going to get the romance readers. I'm going to get, you know, the fantasy lovers, the epic fantasy lovers." It was a big mistake. <laughs> so I think I tend to the romance people don't really like the spy you know, spy thriller aspect of it. And then the epic fantasy people don't like, kind of like the, the the romance aspect of it. And there's not a whole lot of romance, but there is something of that. It was uh, reviewed by Book Riot and Book Riot, one of them said that it has something for everyone, like romance readers and everyone has something for everyone. But I find what I have found as time has gone by is that there are romance readers want to read romance and epic fantasy readers want to read epic fantasy. And so it's, it's a little harder to try to get something that appeals to everyone. And I think I was quite arrogant at the time. Probably still am. But anyway. <laughs> well, that's a tough that's balance. Cool. Yeah. This is another point of entry. Um, and this is a military fantasy, but it's within the same world. Mm -hmm. It chronologically takes place after this one which takes place after the one you saw. But these are all book ones of series. Now, I haven't written any more of, of these two um, series, but there are also entry points. And then here's a little short story that can lead into all three. So quite as an accident, the first one of the characters that I wrote is um, kind of became the, she was old, she was meant to be a throwaway character, just someone who was there to sort of introduce one of the concepts of the world. But my first critique partners just absolutely adored her. And so I ended up writing more and more about her. And, uh, this is a short story about her and it can lead you to any of those three stories that you would want to go to. Oh, nice. And finally, I did a prequel story, um, a prequel novella series of six of six books. And they're, they're relatively to their novella length. And that's this one. So this one takes place about 10 years before the other stories do. And I had originally only imagined doing a 5,000 word short story, but that it just kept on getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I have found that I can't write short stories. Like everything just grows. 
<laughs> there's definitely there's definitely an art to it. That's for that's for sure. There are some people who I just I read a short story and I'm like, oh my god, I'm totally fulfilled within three thousand words, and here I am writing a short story to three thousand words. Like, oh my gosh, I've barely begun. <laughs> so, it's definitely short story writers. There's a skill. There's a definite skill to it. <laughs> yeah, and back when I first started to to write and look into how to get get into writing, everybody at that time would say, you know, write short stories and get your names in in magazines and anthologies and stuff and then you can publish but now now you don't have to quite do that with self-publishing taking off and and things like that which i'm grateful for because i could never i I tried multiple times to just do a short story (laughs) and i could not do it i actually i i'm trying now to actually query i'm think i have this one story in mind and i started i've written about 50 percent of it actually 75 percent of the, the rough draft and i do plan on querying it um it's just more for for uh, for validation i guess yeah that sounds horrible but that's what it is um but then i started writing i've written a few short stories as well to put out to magazines and hope that hopes that to get a little bit of attention nice that's definitely a skill that i can't do yet so <laughs> I don't know how I, you know, one has been accepted nice. <laughs> out of the out of the six I sent out. So maybe I haven't gotten it either. <laughs> so, well, I think that's that's probably about par for most people trying to break into any form of art is about once in one out of six, maybe I don't know, but it's a small percentage that's for sure. So, what are your writing habits? What are your daily habits? Very bad. <laughs> oh. Um, basically I'm a, I'm, I work as an acupuncturist at the trade. I'm an acupuncturist uh-huh. and, a, and a herbalist and I teach martial arts on the side. And so I actually end up with a lot of time to write. The problem is that I'm very easily distracted. And so I might write like 200 words and then think, I think I'll do this. And then I'll, you know, go to my, I mean, the internet is my bane. I mean, I will go and just go on Facebook for another, you know, five minutes, then get back to writing. So it's it's a good day if I get two thousand words. I probably am more likely to get about two hundred to three hundred words a day. So no one should ever learn from me about how to, you know, schedule yourself and write. Well, this is things that I don't think people really understand. Like if you're consistent, two hundred fifty to three hundred words in a year, that's three. You know, that's a hundred thousand word novel. That's true. That's true. If, if if people, and, and I don't know how long it takes you to, to write that 200 words or 300 words, but, you know, yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to take a lot of time. And if people are consistent, then they can they can do a novel a year. Yeah, I have friends that will do five to 8,000 words a day. So I guess I'm just comparing myself to them and I just feel very insignificant. <laughs> so, but um, I find that there are some things that I write really quickly for example combat scenes i seem to be able to write really quickly um like sex scenes i can kind of write kind of fast um but sometimes dialogue will take me forever i will it's like pulling teeth sometimes so some things i'm a little slower at and some things i'm faster at. no i i agree for myself too dialogue is tough i always feel like i sound stupid <laughs> my problem is i don't realize how stupid it sounds until i read it back the second time around <laughs> As you're as you're writing, do you? I know some authors will kind of read what they wrote before and then get into it. Do you do something like that, or do you just know what you're going to write beforehand? I pretty much know what I'm going to write beforehand. Well, actually, I don't know what I'm going to write beforehand. That's the other reason why I tend to procrastinate a lot. Um, I don't tend to read what I read before unless I take a long break. So, for example, I have a very bad habit. Like last year, especially 2020, I think was tough for a lot of people. For me, I started three different novels and I wrote probably 50 to 60,000 of each, but didn't finish a single one. And so 
sometimes I pull them aside and when I have to pick them back up again, I'll start from the beginning. Um, and by then I oftentimes have new ideas and I'll start even actually editing in from, from that, from that process, from that, from that, um, starting over again. Which is good. Uh, another lesson for authors, like don't give up on your old material. Like you can always pull from it and either improve it or take ideas from it and use it in something else. Definitely a good point. When you get a book, you have fantastic covers. Like all those covers you showed me, plus the ones I've seen on the website are beautiful. Like how do you go about picking an artist for that? So I should be a cautionary tale with it. I should be a cautionary tale about a lot of things. Right? I'll just tell you. That. Um, but one of the things I did with my first series, I said I released it in 2016. I had the wrong covers and I didn't know enough about marketing at the time. Um, and so the covers I had, I'll actually show them to you because this is also a cautionary tale. So when I first published them in 2016, the covers look like YA Regency Romance, which is the absolute wrong cover. They're beautiful covers. So here's the first one, the Dragon Scale Lute. And that's the one that became Songs of Insurrection. And what it was, was this artist, I think I found her on DeviantArt, and I just loved her work. I kind of, the stuff I saw on DeviantArt kind of reminded me a little bit of Larry Elmore, who did the Dragonlance Chronicles and a lot of the Dungeons and Dragons things back in the 80s. I got to meet him at DragonCon a couple of years ago. That was that was pretty cool. Um, so that's book one. This is book two. So you can see they're kind of like a pastel type of coloring, lots of pinks. And so it's kind of like the wrong, it's the totally wrong cover for for the uh, for the for the target audience. That's book three. Now book four works. Book four, there's actually another story in this, but book this is book four. And That's, I mean, they're all beautiful for sure. Yeah, this one. So what happened was that to go deeper into the publishing story in 2017, I re-released them with the new covers and it did okay. Um, I was starting to get the idea of marketing. I probably spent more money on marketing and, and learning how to market, take, taking classes than, than I did actually earning, earning back. But then what happened was that when I, I, okay, so I released all four books as one ebook and it used, used this artwork as the cover. So anyway, using this, I created as an ebook cover for four of the entire series bound together. And so when I say the entire series has sold 70,000, about 50,000 are of that one bundle. So, so this artwork, this artwork worked. <laughs> so, and that was the same artist. But then later when I was going for other books, I just basically, I always keep my eye out for, for people who have a style that I like. And so I, if I see something I like, I'll reach out to the artist and ask, oh, do you commission, do you take commissions for book covers? If you do roughly how much does it cost? And so I have a whole list of people, but I'm pretty much, I use two of them right now. They're two that I use on a regular basis. Okay. Another thing that I think that authors that want to be self-published don't understand is the business side of it. Like they'd love to write and they love to do that and get a book out, but marketing and getting yourself out there is kind of, could be a challenge for them. I think, how do you go about doing the marketing on that and how do you stay current? Cause I know it can change very quickly. Yes. Marketing has changed significantly. Part of when I released in 2016, I use the advice of one of my friends who released in 2014 to great success. And what she did, she used book blogs. She basically approached book bloggers, sent them out, you know, will you review my book, et cetera, et cetera. And at the time, there just weren't that many, as many books. So people just, yeah, we'll review your book. Um, but by the time I was trying to do it, I couldn't find anybody who, who wanted to read my book. And so I still got a handful, but I didn't get enough to really get much traction. So I was using strategies in 2016 that would have worked in 2014. 
And in 2017, when I started to learn the marketing side of thing, I was probably using strategies that were better in 2016. <laughs> and it was in 2018 that I got ahead of the curve, um, which was basically figuring out like sort of you know, connecting with people, learning how to get sales at the right time. Um, and so basically I was benefiting from Amazon's algorithms, just pushing at, pushing that book and saying, read this book, read this book. And it was also serendipitous because Sarah J. Moss's, one of her books came out at that time and mine, for whatever reason, got stuck in its also bots, which is, you know, if you look at the Amazon page, it's those, those uh, books at the bottom say, readers who bought this also bought this. So it got stuck in with one of Sarah J. Moss's, of, I mean, not really related that much, but it got stuck in with hers. And so I was getting a lot of sales from that. So a lot of this is definitely luck as well. But I would say if you are a beginning author, I would say, yeah, start with one of those short stories and start giving it away for free um, to get like people who are interested in your work. That's That would be the, the big advice. But there's, there's a lot more to it, but I would say that's the very fundamental side of it. And the other side, connecting with other authors who have very similar books and using the resources that are out there. Like Facebook is probably my main tool in terms of connecting with other authors. And it's been great. I mean, I, I would never have gotten anywhere without having these the support system. I find that a lot with, um, with the people I've talked to that have been self-published. Um, the networking side of it is, is very important. Um, not only for connecting and, and getting books, but like, one author I talked to said it was important for finding an editor because he didn't know how to go about that. And, uh, and another one was the cover artist, you know, that he had a hard time finding and people recommended artists for him. Right, do you have any plans for 2021 to go to any conventions or anything like that or any appearances? That depends, you know, on whether they're happening. I'm signed up for Gen Con from 2020, which is over in Indianapolis, which is absolutely huge. I went there in 2019. And I didn't actually bring much stock of books because I was thinking I, I flew there. I was actually in Japan and flew from Japan to the convention. So I couldn't, you know, haul around like tons of books. And so I brought like 10 books, which sold in the first like three minutes. <laughs> so I basically was taking manual orders and saying, you know, I will I'll have authors sent to you directly from Amazon for less than, you know, you would have to buy them on Amazon. But anyway, Gen Con was was huge. And so if they're if they're going on again this year, I probably will do it um and and bring more stock but <clears throat> i don't know if what else you know it really depends on what's going on with the plague i've been fully vaccinated but you know i don't know we'll see i think those conventions are super important for networking and getting your book out there yeah i it was really cool because the people on either side of me at the convention and and directly ahead of me this was all like the <clears throat> this was all like the uh, self-published authors and so i got to meet a lot of people and it was great hanging out with them plus i was there i, I met a few people who i had interacted with online for a long time and got to hook up with them. And it was, it's just really great camaraderie. It's really great sharing information on, on, you know, on marketing and, and stuff. So definitely great. Well, and I would consider you a, a you know, a giant of an author, 70,000 books sold isn't uh, something to be scoffed at for sure. So like, I would love to, to just sit down and pick your brain even more than I am now, but. Yeah. Send me, send me a message and I can tell you what I know. Part of it. Part of it is definitely luck. I mean, you know, I hate to say it, but it's either either luck or money or both. And if you have a lot of money, you can you can afford to you know spend thousands upon thousands of dollars on advertising and, and get more eyes on it. But not everybody is in that position. True, but I like um, I don't remember if it was Michael Jordan or Wayne Gretzky's the the more shots are the harder I work, the luckier I get. And you had to put in lots of work to get like you know you have to be right in the right position. 
This is true, but I can say there are tons of people who I, I just, I am blown away by how good they are and they just never get the recognition of their stories. So, I mean, not all of us could be Michael Jordan or Dwayne Gretzky. So. No, but there has to be one, so might as well be you, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just quoted Michael Jordan today in one of my stories. Did you? Actually, no, I quoted Nike. I used Just Do It. <laughs> you, you said earlier that you, uh, you read Dragonlance and was that kind of your first dive into fantasy no when i was before i could even read my older brother is 10 years older than i am and then he as his bedtime stories he read the hobbit to me so it started with the hobbit it went on to the chronicles no it's actually the chronicles of narnia first then the hobbit and those made me me fantasy lovers but it was dragonlance that made me want to write what about now what authors do you read now or do you have time to read i don't know i am a huge audiobook consumer so when i'm driving various places I can listen. If I'm like mowing the lawn, I can, I can listen to a, to an audio, but I actually don't re actually read a whole lot. I've probably only read like two books in the last like six months. And one of those was a novella. <laughs> so, but actual reading, I don't get a whole lot of, um, just because there is not, a, there is not much time, but audiobooks I, I listen to dozens. I'm actually a reviewer for fantasy faction, which is a pretty big fantasy website. And I actually think that also helped me make relate, you know, build relationships with other authors as well. When I can say, Hey, you know, I'm a reviewer for fantasy faction and immediately like, Oh, well, you want to read my book. <laughs> so anyway, but I am currently listening to Bryce O'Connor's winds of war series. And like, when you talk about 70,000 copies, I bet Bryce probably sells 70,000 copies a month. I mean, his, his books are very popular. Um, and so I'm, that's what I'm currently going to do is Winds of War. What am I, what did I do before that? The Bone Shard Daughter by Andrea Stewart. I actually okay. half, half listened to that one. Um, and that's also just a, a very, very good book. Davis Assura's Testament of Steel was the one before that. And Demi Harper, a.k.a. Laura Hughes, who is an amazing editor, she, her God of Gnomes is, is a kind of a lit RPG that I, that I read right before that, or actually listened to right before that. So, a lot of self-published authors, just because they're very willing to throw books at me. Um, I do have a handful of traditionally published authors. And once again, through my uh, affiliation with Fantasy Faction, I've gotten to meet a lot of great people like Jeff Wheeler, um, Jade, or sorry, Jade Cities, Fonda, Fonda Lee, Ken Leo, just a lot of great people. Nice. Do you have some, like a, a favorite author of yours that you haven't met yet that you totally like fangirl over if you did meet him? I would totally fangirl over Jacqueline Carey. Um, she, who she'll start and several other books that are very, they're kind of dark it, um, in some ways, but they are just, just brilliantly written in terms of how she characterizes and the level of prose. So I think I'd be totally fangirling over, over Jacqueline Carey. Who has been your your biggest inspiration as you write? Biggest and oh, let's say George R. R. Martin. I'd be totally fangirling over him too. <laughs> because I've only read the first two books of of um, the Songs of Ice and Fire. Of course, I've watched the entire Game of Thrones series. But what I like to say is like Tolkien was a very like big picture world builder. I mean, he's just so brilliant on so many levels in terms of the big picture. But what I loved about um, the, the Game of Thrones world is just like the minutia, all the little details, like the cultural aspects of like different, how do different cultures celebrate weddings? I mean, I, I was just blown away by that. So yeah, I think that Martin to some degree 
would influence me there in terms of just trying to get like nail down cultures. Um, Jacqueline Carey again for just like little tidbits and characterizations. Like one of her characters collect mementos of all the places she's been. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cute, you know, or oh, that's kind of cool. So little things like that. Um, who else? I am drawing blanks right now, but there, there's self-published. Oh, Zach Pike. Um, he wrote Orconomics, which won the self-published fantasy blog off to capture his level of uh, intelligence in his in writing. I would love to be able to do that. Another self-published fantasy blog off winner, uh, Miracle Wong with sort of Kaigen, just her level of emotion and the way she's able to really draw you in, into a character and connect to them. Um, these are all people that I try to learn from. You have, you're pretty prolific. You have many books out. Um, and so I'm assuming you have lots of ideas that you still haven't written yet. Am I correct in that assumption? <laughs> so um, I prolific is, you know, I basically have six novels out and I started, I basically wrote most of those between 2010 and 2014. So since 2014, I've only written two full novels and I started several and not finished many. Uh, so I have a lot of books I need to finish and I'm always seeing things that sort of spark my imagination to write, you know, that, that distract me from, from writing, getting, you know, getting to the story I need to write. Currently I'm on a deadline because I have a pre-order out for uh, a progression fantasy cyberpunk mashup. So, um, oh, Will White, you were talking about another great author, uh, authors that I like, um, Will White's Cradle series. Have you heard of that? I have not. Okay, so Will White, when he the last time he launched its books eight of his series, it actually hit number one in, in the entire Amazon store. I mean, this is a self-published author, and all of his previous books are all hitting the top fifty. Um, he has such a huge following in the Cradle series, and I highly recommend it. It's such a bingeable series. Nice. Um, that's kind of a progression fantasy, also known as Xianxia, which is uh, a, a Chinese genre, which has to do with like immortals um, flying through trees and using cool skills on each other. Um, so I, I'm doing that, mashing that up with a cyberpunk story. And that's what I was actually working on before we started talking. How do you sift through the good and the bad ideas? How about if I say there's no such thing as a bad idea? <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually don't even think of, I, I don't know. I think, you know what I tend to do now that I think about it is I tend to have lots of good ideas and I try to put them into one book. So okay. Whenever I have a new idea, I was like, I think I can move that in. One of the things I like to do actually is when I'm, when I'm reading about astronomy, like for example, if they find like a binary star system with this, there's a theoretical binary star where um, one of the stars is actually like a, like a brown dwarf or a very low mass star. And it's actually sharing the same orbit as a planet that has to be exactly 60 degrees away from it. And I'm like, that is brilliant. That's like a perfect setting for, for my next story. You know, so like astronomy plays a huge, maybe that's a bad idea. Hmm. Sifting right now. <laughs> but yeah, when I see things like that, I'll always think, how can I work this into my story? Um, how much has the, your martial arts background influence or been in your stories? Uh, so I practice Wing Chun Kung Fu. And it's, I think what it does for me is it helps me with positioning in combat scenes. I had a tendency in the very beginning to write very detailed combat in terms of, oh, you know, using the left hand, he twisted the other person's wrist, this, you know, X amount of degrees while at the same time doing this. So it's very, very technical. And my crit partners were just bored out of their minds. So it's just like, it's just, it's just too much. So what I tend to do is I just tend to make sure, okay, are people in the right positions to be able to do something, keep it simple, focus on the emotion of the, of the combat. So I think with anything, the martial arts helps me with 
positioning and just a general idea of how techniques work. But I tend not to go into very super technical details anymore. There are lots of combat in in fantasy novels. And I think, have you have you read a book? You don't have to say anything, but, and you're like, that combat wouldn't work based on what, how they're at. All the time. <laughs> so. I saw on your website too, you're doing a readathon. Is that correct? Yes. So I'm relaunching the Songs of Insurrection, which is uh, bending over again. <clears throat> so relaunching this guy. Um, it goes live on Friday. And so um, a bunch of my readers, there's a lot of background story. If you each story kind of recontextualizes the one before it. And so I assume I'm going to get, be getting a lot of my a lot of my readers who've already read that particular book. And so I'll be sharing like little details about like what went into the creating of a character or of a scene. So basically a way to spark discussion and also get book sales. <laughs> kind of like a director's commentary. Exactly. Perfect. Well, I appreciate you getting on. Um, we just tell everybody how they can get a hold of your books and, and website, contact information, stuff like that. Sure. Um, if you look for JC Kong on Amazon, that's where most of my stuff is. You can also go to jckong.dragonstonepress.us. That's my website. Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast. Please subscribe, like, and share with your friends.